daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to the panel discussion of World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Boeing is engulfed in another reputational crisis. Big questions have been raised about the U.S. playmaker's quality control after a door plug panel blew off from a 737 Max 9 jet on January the 5th. Till the latest incident, Boeing was still working to rebuild public trust after more than 340 people died in two crashes of 737 Max 8 planes in 2018 and 2019. The crisis has overshadowed the company's latest earnings report, as Boeing decided to postpone its financial guidance for the coming year. The U.S. aviation regulator has also blocked Boeing from expanding production of the 737 Max, namely the biggest source of revenue in the American company's commercial aircraft business. Shares of Boeing have fallen more than 20 percent since the January the fifth incident. So, in this edition of the program, we will delve into the issues that have led to Boeing's crisis, as well as their implications for the global aviation market. To listen to this episode again, or to catch up on our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching "World Today." So, joining us now on the line are David Newberry, aviation consultant and a retired captain from Cathay Pacific. Dr. Zhang Fan, associate professor from Beijing Normal University, and Professor Liu Baochen, director of the Center for International Business Ethics, Western University of International Business and Economics.、Um, professor Liu, to start with you, overall, how would you comment on the way in which Boeing has responded to to this latest January the fifth incident?、Um, I'm asking this question because some people say. Compared to the 2019 crisis, for example, Boeing has responded in a much better manner this time around. By, for example, accepting that it had at least a partial responsibility for the incident. What is your take on this? Yeah, given the string of、uh, incidents, there is no other way they can really escape their responsibility. So, therefore, the open admit,、uh, admittance can really alleviate people's anger. Uh, if not the uh, uh, worry, and、uh, also the fact that they are showing a better attitude to、uh, work with、uh, FAA and other inspection authorities, and then the、uh, the way also they deal with the customers' cancellation for their uh, orders, uh, the way they deal with the uh, compensation uh, is uh, also there、uh, on the right track, but of. Of course, that doesn't really compensate all the、uh, physical and emotional damages to、uh, the existing customers with such a consequence. And then they need to、uh, work out a very、uh, systematic and comprehensive plan as how they can really、uh, deal with those、uh, inspectors on uh, uh, safety issues. Hmm. So, David,、um, we understand in the case of the two deadly crashes in 2018 and 2019, respectively,、uh, it was later on discovered that they were caused by a malfunctioning of a safety feature that Boeing has designed to stop、uh, that model of plane from climbing too fast and stalling. 
Dan, regarding this latest、uh, incident in early January,、um, what we do know at this point is that the problem likely lied with the bolts that were meant to secure the door panel, the door plug panel in place. And recently, media reports have emerged that、um, suggesting that those bolts may even have been missing from the moment when that plane left Boeing's factory. Now, if we make some comparison between these two particular situations,、uh, do you think their seemingly、uh, different problems have anything、um, in common or similar to each other? Well, in if you look at the, the basic problems, the MSAS problem was a straight engineering design problem、uh, that they that、um, a design system came into service which should never have been brought into service in, in in that state. The door plug is different in that there's nothing wrong with the design of the door plug; it's fine. But it, it would appear that the problem is in quality control that the door wasn't installed properly. That these bolts were either Not tightened properly, or were missing. So they appear to be two different problems. But on the other hand, if you're looking for a common link, I think the link is oversight.、Um, that in terms of the emphasis, the engineering design, that in because they desperately wanted to catch up with Airbus, they possibly didn't do the design、uh, studies that they should have done to ensure that that system was was safe and and the FAA as the regulator allowed them to get away with it. Now, in terms of the door plug, that is a quality control issue,、um, and it appears that it wasn't installed properly. In terms of oversight, it means that you know who saw that that was any anything done to a、um, an aircraft should be done by a person who then signs off, and then that work is then checked by somebody. And there's a regulator on top of both of them to ensure that that system works. So again, that system seemed to to fail in that an aircraft was put in place,、uh, was put into service with some poorly、um, fitted equipment. And again, it comes down to oversight. So I think oversight is is a common、um, thread in both of these problems. Hmm. So exactly. Let's、uh, let's try to dig deeper into the issues surrounding oversight. Now, Professor Zhang,、uh, we understand Boeing has actually attempted to overhaul its safety reporting structure, which I guess is part of the bigger oversight issue following the crisis in 2018 and 2019. For example, a board-level safety committee has been created within the company. Which features centralization of the safety reporting functions.、Uh, previously, top engineers among business units they reported to their unit leaders. Now, they are directly reporting to the company's chief engineer, who is under the direct control and management of the chief executive officer of the company. So, with that in mind, why do you think、uh, these reforms that Boeing has taken、uh, over the years? Have not prevented this latest incident from from occurring. I think、uh, those are mostly window dressing uh, measures. Um, the, the reason why they have this committee to have the、uh, engineers report directly to the top is because there have been complaints、um, from the engineers to their business leaders, saying that they they reported problems to their business leaders, and the business leaders say,、oh, "Well, I I can't stop production."、Um, so 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 they give this.、Um, This optics of of 
a conduit to avoid this kind of uh, intermediate level interference. However, it doesn't really change anything. The CEO doesn't understand anything about the aircraft. That's a true problem. Um, also, that after the uh, the crashes, they appointed some naval admiral, the retired admiral, to come in and, and supposedly um, do the quality control overview or something. That person has a lot of credential, uh, but it doesn't know anything about aircraft manufacturing. That, 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 I think, is the core of the problem. The top layer of management, they have no idea of, and they're not interested in how the manufacturing process actually works. So they are, if you look at their CVs, their resumes, um, both this CEO and the previous one, um, they work on, on Wall Street. They work on sort of a management consultancy firms. They worked at GE, which is where a lot of these yeah. management, management gurus came from. They are experts at um, financial engineering. They're experts at moving liabilities off their books, uh, you know, fighting with unions. Uh, they're not interested in the process of the... Uh, in, in your last question, um, I think David mentioned there's a whole procedure that needs to be done for, to ensure the quality. And these kind of things, they, it doesn't go to the engineers. That that determines the uh, the nitty gritty of how how much is returned the the the, the, the boss. It, it goes to managers to actually come up with this process management thing. Mm. This middle layer of management is, I think, just completely missing. You have people doing the financial visitry, and and then you have directly talking to the uh, to the very bottom nitty-gritty engineers, and there's no process control in the middle. So that, I think that is what's really missing in there, and, and it's not at all being addressed by all this measure. Hmm. So, uh, Professor Liu Baocheng, going back to you, what is your thoughts regarding this problem uh, raised by Professor Zhang, uh, say, regarding a, a perceived lack of middle-level um, engineers or managers who who have the right kind of expertise. For example, we have actually seen some media reports or media interviews over there done by some former Boeing employees who review a kind of corporate culture that prioritizes production speed over, say, quality or safety. For example, according to one whistleblower, um, when there were ish safety issues reported to his superiors at the company, under many circumstances, those reports uh, ended up meeting a dead end. What is your reaction when you read whistleblowing like that? Well, I think Professor Zhang really hit on the point. Uh, on the fundamental logics that uh, Boeing and uh, actually many other uh, multinationals who deal with uh, their core business is that they focus too much more on the uh, on their financial books and uh, they, they kind of uh, ignore uh, to some uh, degree of the sensitivity uh, in terms of the quality control and particularly now for the aircraft, they of course Boeing is facing tougher uh, competition, and they uh, wanted to uh, use more of the uh, innovation, which may not be totally reliable. And then they outsource the uh, contract manufacturing, and which uh, uh, has a longer distance uh, in terms of the uh, quality uh, insurance and quality assurance. And then the shortage of stuff by a reduction of uh, operational cost is also a big problem. And then the lack of training 
to uh, from mechanics to uh, flight attendants uh, can pre- uh, present problems. Then the uh, the way that that the uh, the deal was the minimum uh, threshold of those inspection authorities, either in the United States or other uh, countries, for quick delivery of aircraft, etc. So all this really add up is really has to do with their uh, management philosophy and with their trade-off between uh, market value uh, versus uh, the uh, safety uh, control. Uh, now you can see that uh, uh, over the last year, their uh, revenue was uh, like uh, uh, 77 billion U.S. dollars. But now if you really add up uh, their compensation to, to mm. those uh, uh, victims and also their indirect losses uh, as, uh, from losing the order, it doesn't pay off. So therefore, the quick uh, gratification program doesn't work for such a company in particular. Hmm. So, David, um, a general assessment from aviation experts in the industry is that uh, the the existing problems with in Boeing really began in the in in 1997. That was the year when Boeing uh, completed this merger with its previous rival McDonnell Douglas. That's according to these uh, industry experts, really ushered in a period when engineers have been driven out of the company's management and replaced by accountants, by many of the veterans from, say, McDonnell Douglas. Uh, to what extent would you agree with this general assessment? I think it's fair that, um, that yes, it's true that when uh, Boeing took over McDonnell Douglas, the, the, the accountants took over. I think m- most people agree with that. But that's not to say that engineers make the best CEOs necessarily. But what Boeing has done through most of its history is be a very successful company and a very safe company and a very innovative company because they've had a very good mixture of engineers and financial people so they made money and they made very good products and i think with all of these things it's a question of balance i mean yes of course boeing's in all companies are in business to make money so you do need accountants there and you do need people who know how to do business but on the other hand it's a very engineer heavy um industry they're in and so the engineers must have their say as well so i think it's not a question of you know the accountants taking over and all the engineers being thrown out i think it's just a question of the balance has gone too far in one direction you need both accountants you need managers and you need engineers on a board running a company but it's all got to be done in the right balance and and in in industry such as making airplanes the engineers have got to have a very strong say, which um, I think that was diluted. And and as you suggested, it all came about. Probably it started uh, when Boeing took over McDonnell Douglas. Hmm. So let's take a look at some specific numbers. Uh, In 2018, that was the year when Boeing was running pretty high, I think, uh, because that year Boeing reported revenue of more than 100 billion U.S. dollars for the first time in its corporate history. Now, um, its net debt has increased to almost eight times from the level in late 2018, arguably marking the company's worst financial shape in its more than 100-year history. 
So, David, some people say it's precisely Boeing's emphasis or focus on finance and profits that has、uh, paved the way to its current financial woes. Would you agree with this particular reasoning or logic? Why or why not? Well, I think that if we're drilling down to it, then the change in emphasis of Boeing towards the financial side and to increasing its earnings has led to them taking shortcuts, which has led to the EMSAS、uh, debacle, and and has now led to this、um, plug door blowing out. So. It's a bit of a. It was a bit of a gamble, if you like. They probably concentrated too much on making money, particularly with the very prescient threat of Airbus. There, they've got to compete against Airbus,、um, and it's a difficult company to to compete against. So I think yes, they 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 probably cut corners when they shouldn't have, and the, their whole house has now come tumbling down.、Um, had MSAS not. Appear the MSAT problem not appeared, and had this latest door plug not appeared, they, their profits would probably be even higher, and they'd be getting more orders. But you know, they they gambled, if you like, and and it hasn't paid off.、Hmm. So,、um, Professor Zhang Fan, going back to you, I mean, of course, we are not here to、um, to defend any say、uh, technological or technical flaw that could potentially lead to a fatal. A crash or you know flight accident,、uh, by no means. But on the other hand,、um, frankly speaking, do you think Boeing's perceived focus or emphasis on financial matters has has anything to do with the macro the macro environment in this particular aviation or plane making industry? For example, a new model of aircraft used to. Take about seven years to develop, but nowadays it would take a decade or even longer. And derivatives of some models、uh, used to take four to five years, and that has now increased to about seven years. So obviously there is a higher cost regarding、um, aircraft development and manufacturing nowadays,、uh, much much higher cost compared to to before. Right. Um, so that is a very capital-intensive industry, and you cannot、uh, have any missteps. For example,、um, it's not just Boeing, right?、Um, Airbus, the A three eighty, the the super super jet symbol、yeah. that、um, had this huge problems, and if not for the、uh, problem experienced by Boeing, they may be in the worst shape. So this is a tough industry. So they have to focus on on finance in some way.、Um, however, you know, a, a lot of the problems. The,、um, the misstep can happen when you concentrate too much on finance, not from the need perspective, but from the perspective that the top management needs to be seen as doing something to earn their keep, to, to earn their huge bonuses.、Uh, for example, one thing they do is they,、uh, you know, they shut the factories、uh, with unionized workers,、uh, with very experienced workers, and then open up new factories,、mm. um, you know, hire new people. And then, all at the same time, we need to push out a lot of planes because of the backlog of the orders. And you essentially have a whole bunch of novices、um, doing an assembly work without the manufacturing process、uh, being redesigned to, to you know, to, 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 to enhance the quality control. And then they're all working flat out against a really tight time schedule as well. You can imagine this kind of things、uh, will lead to to quality problems, all sorts of craziness. And then this problem. In turn, causes more problems 
financially because when you delay your delivery um, because because your factory has to shut down to, to do the quality re- re-engineering, um, you need to pay compensation to your customers. You need to to give your customers steep discounts so that they can uh, they will still take your aircraft. And then you have to keep your suppliers alive, uh, and then that builds up your 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 negative cash flow, your 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 debt, and and that servicing costs. And then it's it's a snowballing effect. And because the capital, because of this industry is so capital intensive, you know your profit is really you're trying to squeeze out a little bit of profit uh, among the huge in, incoming and outgoing going cash flow, and any sort of a mismatch in between, you're in deep trouble. And uh, by a, a tiny effect of trying to squeeze out some extra savings on labor costs, you end up setting off this no avalanche of, of you know collapse that, mm. that that really could have been um, stopped. So the wrong focus to begin with, and then the uh, the tough reality of the industry doesn't help either. So mm. contribute. Okay, your point well taken. In the meantime, Professor Liu Baochen. Uh, some people are also pointing to Boeing's relocation of headquarters over the years. We understand it was once based in Seattle, then in 2001 it moved to Chicago, and then、um, in 2022 during the pandemic it once again relocated to a location close to Washington D.C. Of course,、um, all these、uh, different locations represent different. Say、uh, city cultures and urban cultures across、uh, America's social or economic spectrum. Do you think these relocations、um, tell us anything about the company's evolving values or priorities? Well,、uh, for that, I do not think there is a direct correlation because companies uh, 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 change their headquarters、uh, very often. And in this area, I also noticed when I visited states that Delta was also shifting their、uh, headquarters. And now you see, in,、uh, even in China, a multinational shifts their headquarters for a multiple、uh, considerations. It,、uh, it may be the political atmosphere, it may be the local uh, attitudes uh, from the authority to the public towards them, whether they,、uh, uh, they are likable or favorable or not. And also, there are also consideration of the strength of the union,、uh, supported by the、uh, local legislation, etc. But the key issue lies in that uh, uh, due to the tough competition、uh, in this particular industry, and that everyone is, find,、uh, is finding ways to、uh, reduce the cost. So that's the、uh, that's the core issue. So the the contract manufacturing. Uh, is really a big problem. Now we talk about the the bots that's uh, uh, in the store,、uh, whether they are stored、uh, properly or whether there is really a missing piece,、yeah. and it also may be the quality of that、uh, at that board. So a particular rivet、uh, can really cause the entire problem. But now it is really a、uh, combination of the、uh, all the problem for.、Uh, From the de-、uh, de- uh, defective design, and also from the insufficient、uh, attention and action from the Boeing, and also from the failed government oversight,、uh, all of this really add up、uh, to such a problem. So any type of uh, uh, clashes or the、uh, incident is considered to be an accidental, but、uh, behind it 
uh, there is a way that uh, definitely is there to cause uh, such sort of uh, issue. So the gambling is not really uh, there to be permitted as part of a, uh, a philosophy. And because they are so so sensitive industry and because they uh, have a natural monopoly, and therefore they can really, uh, if the innovation costs more, if the production costs more, they have a way to uh, manage uh, in terms of their pricing scheme, but rather than really to uh, compromise on the quality. I think now that's really the core issue. Let's take a short break. Coming back, our discussion will continue. Stay with us. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Today we are talking about the crisis that Boeing is faced with following a mid-air cabin panel blowout in early January. Joining our panel, David Newberry, aviation consultant and retired captain from Cathay Pacific, Zhang Fan, associate professor from Beijing Normal University, and Professor Liu Baochen. Director of the Center for International Business Ethics with the University of International Business and Economics.、Um, David, going back to you,、um, we understand in the wake of this latest incident in on January the fifth, apart from Boeing, another company that is also under scrutiny is Spirit Aero System, which manufactures of、uh, fuselages for seven thirty seven Max nine. And according to a recent Seattle Times story citing a whistleblower, over the last one year or so, Boeing engineers have actually found no less than 392 instances of quality control failures on the part of Spirit Aero System. And this particular company was actually created back in 2005 in the form of Boeing. Spinning off part of its businesses and operations, so what what kind of problems do you think all those facts surrounding this、um, Spirit Aero System are pointing to? Well, for for about a hundred years,、um, Boeing was based in Seattle, and Seattle was Boeing, and Boeing was Seattle.、Um, but at some stage, Boeing decided that they had to. Diversify, if you like. They had to contract out a lot of the work.、Um, when they were all based in Seattle, they had an extremely loyal and very committed workforce who were proud to work for Boeing, the best aviation company in the world, as far as they were concerned. And you know, I just wonder, with all this contracting out, whether the you know the employees of a lot of these other companies have the same loyalty to Boeing as their original Seattle-based people. I mean, they, they they contracted out a lot of these these places just to save money. So these people in other places are no doubt paid less than the the Boeing people used to be paid back in Seattle. So it's one of these things that the sort of loyalty and, and being proud to become a be a member of a company and want to do the best job possible 
that sort of um, thing is not seen by accountants. All they look at is it's cheaper to manufacture um, fuselages, uh, you know, uh, thousands of miles away from Seattle than they, to keep our original loyal Seattle-based workforce. So yes, I think there is a there is a cross tail between between uh, uh, the quality of the product and um, diversifying and uh, contracting out a lot of things. In in that I think you you end up with a different atmosphere in, in the workforce. Hmm. So, Professor Zhang, what is your take regarding this, uh, these perceived problems um, among Boeing's supply chains, let's put it in this way, like all kinds of outsourcing and dependence on suppliers? And like in this case, regarding this Spirit Aero system, it used to be uh, a unit of Boeing, I guess, but why, after it uh, spun off from Boeing, it became a perceived unreliable partner for Boeing? Right. I mean, this is part of the uh, financial engineering. Uh, I was talking about what the, uh, the CEO is really fairly keen on doing. You know, the, uh, it used to be a factory, I think, in in, in, in the central part of the, in the south of America. Um, and then they spin it up. They put this up to to absorb more money from the market, um, so so the books look prettier, uh, and they offload some liabilities potentially related. Uh, I, I don't know the details, but you know usually when you do this kind of deals, you throw some some unwanted assets into the uh, into the the company you spin off as well. So you know this kind of things make Boeing's book look prettier, makes the uh, CEO's bonus bigger, uh, but then the uh, the new company doesn't have. Boeing backing, you know, as, as a large company, you have a lot of benefits for the employee. You, you, you have all sorts of um, additional powers in terms of political influence and all that. And, 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 and this new new entity that has to stand on its own, um, you know, have a, probably have a tougher time to, to survive uh, on its own. So, so cutting even more costs would, would be on its, um, on its agenda. Um, all this outsourcing, stripping away all this um, this manufacturing processes, um, really give Boeing even less control of of what these other companies um, have to be doing to survive, and 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 that and what kind of consequences that would cause in terms of the uh, the parts that supplies to Boeing. Uh, but of course, it also gives Boeing some excuse. You know, if it's quality problem, they just switch to, to the different suppliers. So, so. You know, from a management, top management point of view, it, it, it's a it's a smart move. But um, in terms of the company, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And and also the fact that the, uh, the civilian manufacturing side gets split up this way, uh, with Boeing only becoming the the final assembler of the uh, of the final product, probably indicates there's a shift of emphasis um, from the civilian side into the uh, the defense side. You know, McDonnell Douglas, um, the merger, why why is it so important? Moving to Chicago, Chicago was the headquarters of McDonnell Douglas. Mm. So it's essentially moving the Boeing headquarters to McDonnell Douglas headquarters. And then to D.C., that signals the uh, defense side of business, the more profitable side of business is really taking over. And the resentment you, you mentioned um, about McDonnell Douglas executives being beam counters, all that, that might have just been a reflection of the uh, you know the, the civilian side of Boeing um, of the situation um, so yeah that I think there's a, there's a 
internal issue within Boeing um, in terms of the, uh, you know, factional infighting between the civilian and defense side as well at play here. Hmm. Of course, uh, one interpretation regarding why Boeing decided to move its headquarters from Chicago to Washington, D.C., or to a suburb of Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago is that it wants to geographically get closer to politicians, lawmakers, and decision makers, and regulators. Now, in this regard, Professor Liu, we understand um Actually, after the first plane crash back in 2018 in Indonesia, Boeing managed to keep 737 MAX、uh, in the air. And even after the second crash、uh, one year later, as regulators across the globe grounded that model, Boeing still pushed the U.S. regulator FAA to hold off on its own grounding order. That's why at the time there was a general perception among the public that. This U.S. regulator FAA is a little beholden to Boeing, and also it is no secret that on the part of the FAA, there has been a practice of delegating parts of the quality review process to Boeing. So, with all that in mind, to what extent do you think this perceived problem regarding、uh, regulation has been addressed? If we Take a look at how the FAA has reacted to the, to this latest incident in early January.、Uh, first of all,、uh, any type of the merger and acquisition、uh, requires a smart way of dealing with uh, uh, corporate culture integration, and、uh, I think that's that's also one of the reasons for the、uh, reallocation program,、uh, really to amalgamate. Their、uh, corporate culture, and that's quite a challenging part. The other is that they stretch too much over the、uh, contract manufacturing and also contract inspection,、uh, contract simulation,、uh, training program, etc. So when the when you have a larger pie, you kind of lose control. And of course, you know, for businesses, they、uh, always try to. Uh, push the envelope with the regulators, as、uh, so they need to survive and earn the money. And taking a gamble、uh, in uh, some of the incidences, and also they bargain with the insurance companies.、Uh, well,、uh, financially, of course, insurance can really cover it, cover it. And now also the the misuse of the trust from those regulators because they did really have a. A very a consistent a performance over the quality control and、uh, this kind of empowerment、uh, over their own way of dealing with、uh, the quality control uh, is uh, something that's an oversight from the、uh, regulators. And then、uh, because of their credibility, also the、uh, there is a, a subtle blind spot with those uh, uh, clients who are there to、uh, place orders. With、uh, with them, and now、uh, with such sort of in- incidents that happen in a slow, and then this whole thing,、uh, this whole fantasy really collapsed.、Uh, that really gave them quite lessons. So therefore, they have no way to hide、uh, their responsibility and no way to shovel their responsibility to other the、uh, supporters and partners. And so therefore, I think this really、uh, does give the、uh, lesson. To、uh, the multiple stakeholders,、uh, from regulator to the operator to manufacturer and to those uh, uh, 
uh, inspectors and trainers, etc. So hopefully uh, this can really give a decisive push for them to uh, refocus their uh, quality and also integrity. Hmm. So actually, uh, Professor Zhang Fan, uh, when we talk about Boeing's 1997 merger with uh, McDonnell Douglas, there was a bigger um, historical context going on at the time, I guess, namely this consolidation of American defense contractors. Uh, and for example, in the decade after the end of the Cold War, more than 50 major American defense and aerospace contractors ended up becoming five huge companies, and Boeing was one of the five left standing, that's for sure. So what do you think were the factors that were driving that particular consolidation in the industry? Right. So the end of Cold War really didn't help the defense <laughs> contractors, of course. Um, so despite the, uh, the natural process of bigger fish eating the smaller fish, uh, you have a lot of consolidation. And then the, uh, in particular to the Boeing issue, um, the McDonald Douglas used to be two companies, McDonald and Douglas. McDonald was really strong in defense. Douglas was the uh, was making the DC series of uh, civilian aircraft that was really the competitor to Boeing. And then DC-10, um, when it crashed so often, McDonnell Douglas, as a civil aircraft manufacturer, really cannot compete with Boeing anymore. But in terms of defense, it's still a really strong company, which is why the merger is not Boeing swallowing up McDonnell Douglas. They kept the uh, Boeing name, but the... the price they pay is the uh, is executives are actually McDonnell Douglas people. That's why you have this earlier question. Um, but regardless, um, and, and the problem that goes all the way to today is that, you know, the defense side of Boeing, the uh, the really profitable side of Boeing are actually old McDonald people. So that consolidation, at that time, obviously, they, Boeing was thinking, you know, we can have a monopoly. Uh, at that time, Airbus was just beginning, right? But in the end, that monopoly didn't really happen. Um, so, so the civilian side didn't have the intended uh, intended monopoly, and 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 they ran into trouble. Mm. So, uh, David, um, we we understand during the two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine global financial crisis. Many American banking giants and also car-making giants like Ford and General Motors are considered to be too big to fail. Some people say Boeing also belongs to this particular too-big-to-fail type of company because, like Professor Zhang mentioned earlier, um, it is also involved in this uh, U.S. defense contracting industry and that's a very lucrative business. Would you agree in this point? Yes, I, I do really. I mean, if you just look at the commercial aviation side, there are only two companies in the world that can produce the right sort of aircraft in the correct numbers, and that's Airbus and Boeing. Um, there are others around. There's Comac, there's Embraer, there, there, there's, uh, there are other companies, but they're still a long, long way off from being able to produce the volume of aircraft that somebody like Boeing can produce. Um, also, I mean, America isn't going to give up its civil aircraft production, so and Boeing's the only real player there. So I can't see that happening. Um, 
potentially, possibly, the civil aircraft division could be split off from the rest of Boeing, um, from the defence side. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not really qualified to, to talk about that, but it, it is a possibility, perhaps. But yes, in general, I can't see Boeing, certainly as a commercial aviation um, company, uh, disappearing because there's nobody to take up the space. I mean, uh, when McDonald disappeared, yes, it was taken over by Boeing. Mm. Well, there isn't anybody that can take over Boeing commercial aviation. Hmm. So, by the way, uh, David, uh, do you think uh, this uh, too-big-to-fail nature of Boeing is a reason or factor behind its current quality control challenges on the civilian side of the plane-making? I, I tend not to think that. I think it was just that they're in an extremely competitive business um, and they're just trying to make as much money as possible out of a very, very difficult industry with, with huge constraints on, on the way in which you can design and construct airplanes. I really think it's just it was more of a commercial problem to how to make money in a very, very difficult environment rather than arrogance and, and, and too big to fail. Okay. So, Professor Liu, um, frankly speaking, other plane makers have also faced the safety challenges with their assembly or manufacturing. Uh, before its marriage with Boeing, McDonnell Douglas actually had some airworthiness issues back in the 1970s. In the 1990s, ATR, this European-based uh, regional air airplane maker, had issues with a, a model's uh, de-icing system. And even Airbus, Airbus's uh, A320 NEOs have faced the challenges regarding engine vibration. So with that in mind, do you think there is anything that makes Boeing's crisis currently fundamentally different from those challenges facing other playmakers? Well, there are uh, two issues. Uh, normally, uh, in such cases, uh, one is that uh, the uh, lose control uh, over the existing structure of the supply chain and also uh, with the uh, final uh, destination uh, control. And the other is uh, how they address innovation, because competition really drives uh, on innovation. Innovation is really a double-fledged sword uh, when innovation is not really very reliable. And uh, normally the, uh, the first batch of buyers uh, now take the toll. Uh, for example, dealing with the NDI uh, fusion system, dealing with the uh, installation of uh, auto control in terms of the software, uh, with, they are not completely uh, very reliable, and that creates a vulnerability. Of course, uh, this is the, the way that uh, all companies need to go for innovation, but that really uh, left me much uh, in those uh, the safety and quality control issue. And now, if you uh, go to those uh, authorities. Uh, uh, regulators, they normally fall behind of the new developments in innovation, so therefore they also uh, leave a blind spot uh, in the inspection scheme. So uh, this is really a uh, fundamental issue as how people really face the uh, innovation. But now uh, the particular sensitivity lies in the uh, special nature of uh, aviation. 
uh, mm. be it uh, the commercial or be it uh, uh, for military purpose. So, therefore, uh, my idea that uh, uh, there cannot really be a trade-off between safety uh, versus uh, efficiency. Mm. So, therefore, uh, in order to ensure uh, the safety and double ensure the, the safety, so you would rather delay the implication of innovation that may bear certain risk. Okay. So, Professor Zhang Fan, do you think the current public frustration that have grown towards Boeing's quality control, for example, would it necessarily mean opportunities, realistic opportunities for for its arch rivalry Airbus? Well, yeah, it already translated into 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 higher orders and a lot. A larger backlog of aircraft. Uh, there are like eight thousand or something aircraft that needs to be built by Airbus now. It's at full capacity. But how much more, really? Uh, I mean, it, they're hamstrung by uh, by how much aircraft they can produce now. Um, it, it would it would take a decade at, at least to um, for for a new customer to get their delivery in the future. Uh, which means, uh, in terms of immediate. Uh, translation into into additional uh, orders on the books. Uh, that might not actually be that much because Boeing, on the other hand, um, the, the whole whole industry is constrained by capacity, and Boeing has that capacity. It's just having some trouble. And then if it's offering sufficient discounts, as it apparently is doing, uh, if you look at their books, the uh, the revenue uh, versus the delivery numbers. Uh, then they would still hold on to a lot of the uh, the orders. But I think in the longer term, um, this would be beneficial for Airbus in in the sense that the uh, the technical know-how in aerospace is a lot deeper in the U.S. Uh, with the defense industry backing and NASA know that. Mm. So Boeing, for example, its new generation of aircraft in terms of technology is actually it's actually better in, in, in a, lot, a lot of ways. Okay. Um, and Having this trouble at Boeing um, really prevents Boeing from investing in the next generation of aircraft design and, and, and testing and all that. And that might give Airbus a, a leg up in terms of the next generation of aircraft. Uh, in terms, they're profitable this year. Uh, Boeing isn't. Uh, Boeing loses as, as much money as Airbus is making in terms of profit. So they have plenty of money put towards the, uh, the development of the next generation of aircraft. Um, as the history has told us, you know, you only need one aircraft that keeps crashing out of the sky to destroy the company. Uh, and you really need just one winner for, for your company to, to dominate the next 20 years or so. Um, so so that, that certainly opens up an opportunity for Airbus. So that's the nature of this particular industry, I guess. So by the way, uh, Professor Zhang, uh, do you think we are likely to see a scenario in which um, some particular airliners, even though they have this kind of uh, frustration with Boeing's quality control issues, um, they still need to stick with the the existing orders with Boeing. Uh, well, if they stick with the orders and the uh, delivery gets delayed, as it most will be, because FAA just revoked the uh, the permit to to expand production on 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 nine on, on Max nine, and then. The uh, certification of sevens and tens, uh, max sevens and max tens are also being delayed. So uh, it looks like once delivery gets delayed, you get compensation. Boeing has to pay you money. Uh, so it, it actually pays for them to, to stay with the order uh, without canceling them. Mm. Um, 
until such a time that if more you know fatal accidents happen, then you can't fly those aircraft um, with passengers on board. Uh, then you have to reconsider whether it's worthwhile keeping them as cargo planes and stuff like that. Then that's a that's a whole different issue. But at the moment, I think I haven't seen reports of people canceling their orders in in bulk. Hmm. Okay. So David, actually, for the past five years,、um, there is no doubt that Airbus has been holding has been holding this crown as the world's biggest plane maker by deliveries. According to some、uh, aviation consultancies、uh, data I have read about, Airbus is currently holding a 62% share in this、uh, very lucrative narrow-body segment of the commercial market. However, some industry executives say a strong Boeing is actually vital to the health of this particular sector. What is your take? I think that、uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Boeing and Airbus, but I think to have two very strong players in the market is extremely important. If you go back to the 1970s when Airbus was just starting, Boeing was really getting complacent. Really, they were the only mass aircraft manufacturers in the world. And then along came this upstart Airbus, and suddenly introduced a whole new new load of technology, such as fly-by-wire. Which、um, is still not in the 737, for instance. So, and it took them by surprise. And what's happened since is that because they're two equal competing partners, they keep each other honest. They, so the so the the technical developments have come come along, and also, of course, they're、um, competing on price as well. So, I think in in terms of airlines buying aircraft, it's it's very good to have two players,、uh, and in terms of technical innovation, it's important to have two players because they're competing against each other, and that makes them try and outdo each other so that the pace of the, the of these reforms is, is increased, and that is fine as long as everybody still plays by the rules and nobody stretches themselves too far. So, in general, I think it's extremely healthy to have. Two major players in in the market, and there's possibly room for a third one. But、um, competition, I think, is good in this in, in this instance.、Mm. So, Professor Liu, now whether or not Boeing will be able to turn things around in its rivalry with、uh, Airbus, I guess that's an open question. But do you think the current scenario? What are main opportunities for any third or fourth players to somehow make inroads and break this decades-long duopoly in this particular market? Well,、uh, yes, we would see that、uh, the concentration、uh, does really provide efficiency for a moment, but、uh, the reduction of、uh, competition in the end lead to abuse of the quality and hence abuse of the consumer rights. Uh, so therefore, the definitely uh, theoretically, uh, it is important to break the monopoly, duopoly, or oligopoly. But given this particular industry is not only capital in- intensive, it is also technologically intensive.、Uh, you need a very long history of uh, uh, dealing with the、uh, quality control, dealing with the training, and dealing with the entire supply chain. So it's going to take a longer period of time for、uh, other potential competitors really to step in because the threshold is so high. You know, for example, the Chinese C nine nineteen is really a budding、uh, 
uh, industry, and we are not really short of capital, but we are short of experience. And also the uh, regulatory threshold is so high, either on the authority side or uh, on the professional accreditation side, etc. So, yes, if we look at the long trajectory, uh, definitely there's going to be third or fourth competitor. Uh, but uh, we do not really see that uh, they can be on an equal par even for the next five or ten years to come. We have spoken with David Newberry, aviation consultant and a retired captain from Cathay Pacific, Zhang Fan, associate professor from Beijing Normal University, and Professor Liu Baochun, director of the Center for International Business Ethics with the University of International Business and Economics. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on our previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. I'm Ding Hanin Beijing. Bye for now.